Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around once again. Here we are. Get your phone, hook it up to the Bluetooth, get it in the car. Is that part of your old radio announcement? <laughs> also, this episode is uh, courtesy of Bergamot. I may also remind you to quickly take the extra step and go to the app of your choice and subscribe. Bookmark us at drdrew.com and please rate us on iTunes. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear and join our email list. Contact slash help, help, help. drdrew.com. Get the newsletter and send your emails into us. We'll try to get them on the show. Get what's called, we call it now at this point, at least Dr. Drew's News. Also check out uh, Weekly Infusion. Uh, and, uh, let's see, we always, you know, hang on a second. <laughs> we just, I, know, I just, I just had a seizure. <laughs> and we also love to hear from you so we get your emails and get on the email list. What at, were you uh, thinking? You were thinking two thoughts at one well, time. I was thinking about, crossed, I, crossed. Yeah, I was thinking about the weekly infusion of whether we needed to say anything about that. We did not. So we're building the Drew empire, Khalil. And we have a guest, one of my best friends, Khalil. Named after Khalil Gibran, though we just found out prior to the show, is the most quoted author in the history of literature. Is that true, Khalil? That is true. And your dad named you after that guy? Uh, actually, strangely enough, it was my mother that named me, who's from Poland. My father is from the Middle East, was huh. born, born in Jerusalem, but my mother was the one that chose the name. See, that's huh. why I thought he was from India, because it's so universal, Khalil, Khalil Gibran. Gibran. Well, well uh Khalil Gibran, Gibran, however you want to pronounce it, is, is was a Christian who who was born and raised in Lebanon. Huh. You're kidding? No. Well, it's Christian Lebanese. I mean, there's a, that's what all those wars were about. Yeah. All the different religious sects in Lebanon. So, anyways, uh, Khalil is known as a self-hating Palestinian. Okay. Well, Khalil, first of all, he's got a book. <laughs> he's got a book called "I Forgot to Die." Wow. Because so, I forgot to die. You can click through doctor.com Amazon banner for all your reading needs. And um, it's an amazing book, and I was a part of the story. But tell the story that happened when they they do you, they call you that. What? No, I, I'm not. I can't, the, the Rick Rubin story. Yeah. No, I can't say that story. <laughs> I, I'll say that story. I, okay, Rick Rubin sitting out front. I, famous record a, producer. Yeah, yeah, he has a health food store in Malibu. Neil, it's called Sun Life Organics. Yeah, yes. he's got a million yeah. of them, but the main one is in Malibu. We start right out with it with the okay whatever. So, Just do it. So Just, so Neil Strauss sitting there. Neil Strauss, the ride of a Rolling Stone. Yeah, the most the most awesome guy well, ever. Neil Strauss wrote the game. He did Neil what? Strauss, he also has a podcast now against one, but he wrote the game and he but wrote the he truth. Writer, he called it, yeah. Wasn't he a writer for Rolling Stone for many years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Famous. the game he went and studied those people that do the pickup game. 
Oh. They wrote a book about it, and then he became like a sex addict, I think, and then he got recovery, and then he wrote a book about that. So, <laughs> yeah. so there you go. It's just so it's three guys sitting around. Khalil walks out, and what did they say? I I I, I wanted to meet. Billy Corgan, so I'm standing there politely waiting for, the, for there to be a break in the conversation. And then all of a sudden, Rick looks up at me and he goes, he's Muslim. Tell him how you're scared of the Muslims. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, I, I couldn't even talk. I was so nervous. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> there you go. He's Muslim. You know, what? why is it that in my community, that's my community, out in front of his stores where I sit every Tuesday night, all the people, all the guys are around is there. Is there a meeting nearby there? Yeah, well, and, and I do group, alumni group up the street, but there's uh-huh. meetings, and it's just, and everybody has all different backgrounds and all different values and all different economic backgrounds and all different opinions about music and politics, but we all get along and joke around. What happened to that America? Oh, anybody got an answer? <laughs> I'm dying to know. I, I, I don't have an answer, but when Haley and I were talking about this yesterday, and I actually sent a, a text message to the to the guys and uh and and we were talking about when we um when we first set out to start sun life organics um of course i'm not going to have this um but I, I basically what has happened with i wake up in the morning and i look at a screen it's the first thing i do and then i go downstairs and i turn on another screen and then throughout the day i'm staring at screens and uh and how how that's affecting us and how that freaks me out. And the other thing was how all of a sudden is there a camera on every single one of these devices? And my, my suspicion is not so weird that we're using these cameras and, you know, uh, it's become such an obsession. My fear is that the cameras are watching us. So there's a, there's a collective camera brain somewhere that's recording all, human observing all of human, yes, everything humans are doing <laughs> all at once. <laughs> And there'd be a but collective intelligence. It is the age. It could be good. It's gone, it, there's something to that. We've gone away from conversation and human interaction to yeah. a, a, a technological oh, thing that is beyond our ability to control it or understand it. I've noticed right? also, I, I offload so much onto the phone now. It's interesting. Offload memory, offload planning, off, just all offloaded. Talk it. So I, I, I found the text. So this is, I texted to, to the guys. Uh, I was fearing, feeling very emotional yesterday morning it was my birthday and i got a, a, a very strange message on facebook which we, we can talk about later but no i, I, I just i talk just about now well let me let me just read the text i sent to the guys so the the kaizen for the day which is a japanese like yeah. philosophy uh turn off facebook or, or instant notifications or any unnecessary notifications that constantly distract you and rob you from the moment you're in uh, then you went to facebook <laughs> he loaded it to facebook. i actually sent this on facebook uh when i <laughs> When I communicate with your employees in in each Sun Life Organics on the on the floor, there's a giant sticker that says "Be here now," mm-hmm. and on every sweatshirt that we have, there's a giant the thing best that says "Be here now." Yeah, Bob's bought like five hundred dollars worth of these sweatshirts. Nice. Anyway, the softest. Uh, I, I said to the kids, "Look, we we work with fruits and vegetables, delivering them in various forms to people who so desperately need their energy. Fruits and vegetables are the last great sacred connection to the sun, to the earth, and to God." I never wanted to create a juice bar. I wanted to create a living room, a church, a temple, because nobody spends time in their living room or church or temple anymore. I have accomplished that goal, and you guys are the custodians of this sacred brand. So talk to the employees, look people in the eye, 
and genuinely tell them good morning, good afternoon, or good day. Hug one another, love one another, and love the customers as well. And that's why you come there. That's how, but that's what millennials need to hear in a work environment, Drew. Which, and he's, is this constant, I don't know, Khalil is the best at it. He's a maestro of 200 millennials who work for him. Hmm. And they all love him, and they all have love you, their you, jobs, and they're all happy, and they all show up on time, and they're all smiling. Have you seen something unusual about that population, or... He's the, he's the wizard he, of them. Or is it just who you you've always it? employed? Well, um... Well, that's it, who you employ in a juice bar. Yeah, I mean, no, but I mean, have you have you been a, an owner long enough that you've seen an evolution to this new personality style that you have to address differently? Yeah, I mean, it's not. I I grew up in food service back in Ohio. His and, dad just yelled at everybody all the time, <laughs> and that that's actually that's true. true. So, um, God, you have a good memory. I've seen him yell at you in some life. That's also true. So uh, this is no way to run the business. What the hell is going on here? You have too many damn employees. Yeah, he, was, he was complaining about how many employees in front of the employees. And there's a line out the door. I'm yeah. like, Dad, I seem to be doing pretty good. So you know, I I had more experience in the food service food service industry than these kids have been alive. But that old style of managing them and motivating them, it won't work. You yell at them, they'll quit. If, you, if you're harsh with them, they'll work at half speed. But if you acknowledge them and you love them and you encourage them and you... you re- they'll and give it, their all. I see it every day. They will, they will go to the end of the earth. Does that include recovering kids? Well, he tried that in the beginning. It was weird. Tell, tell him how it all started. So he had a rehab and he just found it disgusting. So he wanted to migrate out of the rehab What, what was world. disgusting about it? The amount of money that was passing hands and for, for the, nothing for nothing yeah for basically basically parents and 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 loved ones throwing money at a problem and throwing an obscene amount of money at a problem and individuals who who really had no interest whatsoever in getting better were you charging obscene amounts yes <laughs> I, well, I had well, to. It was, it was a business. Value. It, no, was it was market a bus- value. It was a business. I, I rented a house for seventeen thousand dollars a month, and I had payroll, etc. You know, so it was. We didn't charge more than other people. We charged basically what everybody else was charging. But if there was, if there was a few people that were getting better, it was the greatest feeling on the planet. But if there was a few people that were just there to buy time or get the law off their back or get their parents off their back, and I'm taking these checks for $10,000 and I'm going to the bank and I'm depositing them, there was a soul sickness there. And it, was, it felt like blood money and I'm too sensitive and too codependent for that business. So he started a we little health food store. We were talking about that a little bit with Candy Finnegan, how yeah. I felt uncomfortable even charging for services and stuff. So codependent. Drew ran a hospital, was the medical director of a detox unit and never got paid. I made the same as the housekeepers. <laughs> he made three, I finally wait till Khalil. Can I tell him? Yeah, he made three thousand dollars a month for being the medical director of a forty-bed rehab. You're kidding. Doctors I, I didn't make actually, that for I didn't, fifteen minutes of seeing a patient. Wait, you need to understand. I wasn't making that at the end. <laughs> that was that was the that was the heyday. So I learned the from end, the master. At the end, I was because Khalil about, gives me shit for not getting paid. Yeah. I learned from him. Yeah, well, I, I started out at ten bucks an hour, and when I quit, I, I wouldn't even pick up the phone for less than a thousand dollars a day. Wow, I, I wouldn't. It was too much. There was too, they, 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 they just. Want- I just, it just felt not right to me. So, I just, so he got out of it, started this health food store very close by the 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 sober living, right? And the idea was, at first, because I was there, was the kids 
who were in the sober living were going to work there. Right. It never worked out. Do you remember? Not, not, not never. There, we, there's cash. Cash. cash One is there. guy. Well, there's a few other, and I probably shouldn't mention them I'm, by I'm, names. But I'm having a flashback. Do you remember the hospital used to? I used to get EOBs at the hospital. We're using my license to charge yeah. for services, and I, I had to hire an attorney to get them to stop. And I and I and I added so the up, hospital is making money wait, and not paying him. Wait, and I, I, I added up all this, all that I'd I'd netted for the entire year to that point. I took it into the administrator at the time. It was eighteen thousand dollars, and there was like it was November. <laughs> I'm you know, and, I'm, I'm going to tell you something right now, and this is this is one thousand percent the truth. And and you know the guy, and you know the situation. I have a friend that's in sober living in Malibu. He's been in there for a year, and it, it you know fair price, whatever. Uh, and please, no names no, no, mentioned. No, no, okay. No. And his mother just got a, a check from the insurance company because there was a bill for over a hundred thousand dollars. For urine tests. Oh yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, well, that's, he's been telling me about that. I, it's I, over. That's over though. Now I think uh, uh, it's happening as we speak. Still. And I, and so, anyways, he got out of it. He he quickly transitioned to the just regular high school kids. I remember, like just rent, just get the kids from Malibu High for work part time, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. And I thought this is going to be a disaster. You <laughs> can't get seventeen year olds at work. I can't even get my seventeen year old to dump the trash. <laughs> and he figured it out. And now that's all, all. How many places? How many stores do you have now? There's six stores, and there's a little over 200 employees. It's amazing. And right. you go in there, and they're so you polite, sense, and they're gotta, so respectful. You got to work on some of your sober folks, the difficult ones. To try to. Well, he tried. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. What happened? I, I, um, I'm just not cut out for that anymore. <laughs> I'm really not. I mean, it, it, for having so, uh, newly sober young kids working for you. Well, I certainly, because of the law, I can't discriminate against anybody. <laughs> <laughs> However, my experience has has not been so so wonderful with with people. Um, and don't you think that's the Malibu treatment process that makes them feel entitled? I, I think the whole treatment process. I don't, I don't think it's, it's exclusive to Malibu. I think anywhere where you're charging people fifty thousand dollars a month to help them get sober. Uh, I, I think you're going to find a lot of entitlement. You're going to find a lot there of people that. Oh, have, but, but I mean, like somebody like a year sober or two years sober. Can you? you would, some some of the greatest employees. Okay. I, I have a young man named Chris working for me, um, who is probably the hardest working person I've ever met in my you life. You got to go there, Drew. It's amazing. Cool. You're talking about eight or ten. 20-something kids working hard, being polite, saying hello to you. When As soon as you walk in the door, over the glass that they're working behind, they say, hey, hello, welcome, every yeah, time no, to everybody. I got confused. I thought you were talking about I got to work on his sober friends. No, I have a lot of... <laughs> I have a lot of people that are that are in recovery for different things, not just drugs and alcohol, but but other you know co-occurring disorders. I have a lot of people that are in recovery that work for me, and they're the hardest working people we have. They're the most passionate, dedicated people we have. But we, the original we, idea was the, the three months deal, sober guys yeah, working. It didn't work. The reason I was asking is because Bob's had such difficulty getting millennials to get to work, get jobs. Yeah, it's well, hard to find them jobs. It 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 is yeah, and there and there's also this kind of lost generation, you know, of millennials that sort of don't know they want it. It's basically like if you're 20 years old, you want to like start a blog and travel. That's wow. the thing you want to start a wow. blog and travel. I want to start a blog. Yeah, and I would travel. do that too. 
<laughs> no, but I, I watch this. I watch some of these great, amazing, hardworking young people begin to, you know, to to wane. To, you know, to, I don't know if it's wax or wane, whatever the word is. But they start to recede a little bit, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, we're gonna go to Bali." And they go to Bali for a month. They come back like, "Yeah, we're gonna go to Taipei or wherever they go." It's typically involving surfing and or yoga and I think it's incredible and I think people should should uh, should travel but I was yelling at these kids not yelling but you know passionately explaining to them five years ago stop buying $90 Lululemon pants yeah. and start buying $40 Lululemon stock because that stock's going to go up yeah. and in 10 years we're going to put a pair of pants on and they're going to control our temperature they're going to they're going to measure our heart rate they're going to know what our metabolic rate is at under armor lululemon apple all those companies are going to control the world so i'm trying to get these kids to invest their money save their money because if we would have done that when we were 20 we wouldn't have to work when i was 20 i was rodeoing for a band in a van going through utah <laughs> it wasn't so good Drugs involved? If you hadn't yeah, spent, some drug, alcohol, you haven't spent alcohol. If you hadn't spent the money on heroin and alcohol, you could have invested in <laughs> Well, that, Do you know the story of that? Chris Hansen, the one non-drug addict in Thelonious Monster through all the years, he was just over there, just not even a part of the, it, but in the band, right? So we're in Paris, and he's going to leave. The tour is over, and he's going to leave, and he's going to Nice, France, where he's bought a house. And I said, bought a house? What the hell are you talking about? And he just, as he was walking down the platform, he goes, Bob, I'm not a drug addict. We make good money. <laughs> oh, my God. And I Ouch. I thought about that all the way home to Los Angeles. Like, uh, how much money have I spent on drugs? You could have a house. Yeah. Oh, my God. I better get high. Yeah. I, I, well, I was high the whole way. Well, so they're, they're, let's, they're, get, let's get to Khalil getting high. So Khalil, I met before he was sober. Okay. Before you get into his story, I want to hear what that Facebook post was. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was oh, amazing. The oh. guy. It was his birthday yesterday, and this guy sends this thing. It's amazing. Yeah, I... This I is what makes you like Facebook. I woke up yesterday morning... That and Bob's tirades about politics. Yes. Oh, I had good ones today. <laughs> I woke up yesterday morning, and of course, like any other morning, I turned on the... I turned on the... The uh, machine. The machine, yeah. Well, I you know, turned on my, my phone first, uh, stared at the screen, and... Um, and then immediately went downstairs and turned on Facebook because I wanted to, uh, you know, see if anybody had wished me happy birthday for Facebook. And <laughs> because that's so important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 47 year old man who's trying to build an empire. Like I've got my priorities straight. So I turn on the computer and there's a message request from somebody that's not a friend on, on Facebook, but yeah. it's like a message request. And I, I look at it and I, I see, you know, kind of a, a, a larger black man and and the the reason i'm mentioning the color of his skin is because it's relevant so um i click on it and i start reading the message and it wait, says wait till you hear this you gotta, he says, you gotta hear this so beautiful he says a long time ago at bowser i was in the lunchroom with well, the levesque school, twins school i was in the lunchroom with the levesque twins and i needed lunch you gave me money for lunch and i never forgotten that I've never forgotten that. Thank you. I've never forgotten that for some reason. Were you at the same school together or something? Or? We, we were at the same school. Elementary when, when, school? Uh, no, that was, uh, I believe, freshman year. So, high school. Yeah, high school. So as soon as he said Levesque twins, I literally remember seeing this young man, black man, which it's relevant because 35 years ago in Ohio, in rural Ohio where I grew up, things were still pretty segregated. It wasn't like it is today where we have a black president and, yeah. you know, uh, um, 
I'll just leave it at that. But uh, it, it was very different back there. So I remember seeing this kid and I remember n- noticing that something was wrong. And I went over to him and he kind of, you know, whispered to me that he was hungry. And I very carefully took some money out and I, I slipped it to it secretly. And that was it. Someone asked me today, when was the last time you talked to him? That was the last time I talked to him. Hmm. I never, I don't, I don't ever remember seeing him again. I'm sure we went to school together or whatever, but he says, you gave me money for lunch and I've never forgotten that. Thank you. I've never forgot that for some reason. In fact, one of my sons is named Khalil. I just thought you should know that. How wild is that? I cried. I, I cried and I cried and I cried because in the midst of trying to harvest likes or become popular in social media or, you know, deal with my 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 deep, deep insecurities and self hatred, uh in the midst of all that was this beautiful message on the day of my birth and I just cried and the reason I cried is because that's my mother. That that was that's literally my mother. That's not me. That's something I inherited from her that she, you give she, people the dollar that whatever that i do that i do anything great for people i don't think twice about it whether whether it's the whether it's the kid that was drowning in front of our apartment 10 years ago and i i just ran past a lifeguard and swam out into these giant 20 foot faces i didn't i didn't think about it i didn't care or whether it was i chased after a bank robber like three years he ago did. and it these, was amazing and these guys these guys all laughed at me and 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 made fun Dude, of me. Dude, do you like, know this? Because no. I wanted the bank robber to go get away, obviously. <laughs> but he goes chasing some down. Were you there? I was there. Oh, so so what? <laughs> so whatever it is, these. I was like, why are you why are you doing that, Khalil? These selfless acts that that <laughs> that I that I do don't I can't take any credit for them at all. But because I know I inherited that from my mom, there's some real goodness inside of me left over, hopefully, from my mother. Can you can you inherit? Do you think that eventually that's going to be found to be genetically based? Some of it, yeah. Everything in humans is some genetic, some environment. Well, the environment is your dad. Your dad is a storm. He was a tough guy, or he is a tough guy. We're not speaking right now. We Why have, now? Every every two months? No, no. When the book came out, that was it for him. He he stopped talking to me. He was just here last summer, though. Yeah, the book came out in December. Oh, yeah. So what, he, what's his well, yelling or physical a, abuse? Something in there? there? Yeah, there was violence and physical abuse, and um, and I said, he laid it all out on the line. I, I didn't lay it all out. I just said my dad behaved like a monster, or maybe I even said my dad was a monster. Which you know, I'm sorry, that was the truth. I mean, he's not a monster today, and I understand culturally that's how he grew up. When you grow up in the Middle East you know beating your wife is not frowned upon however in rural ohio you know as a little boy i inherently knew it was wrong and it scared the that's shit out of me that's an interesting thing to me you know it's wrong witnessing it as a child but adults are going with that childhood trauma thinking it's the right thing to do yeah they reenact it but you understand what i'm saying yes. as a child when you witness it you there's the sense of violence it's not just wrong it's shattering but that yeah. forces you to do it again <laughs> that's what that's how that's how trauma works no but that's I, why people beat their kids but no but i'm more to the core of how we perceive humanity mm. i perceive humanity as that child who knows yeah, that violence sure. is wrong but that child so, in, is, so humanity is inherently good that child is a 60 to 70 percent chance of being a perpetrator that child or people pleaser. Well, or both. <laughs> or both, yeah. 
Well, I, I think we're all good. I think we're all the victims of our ego, and we're the we're the victims of our our conditioning and our ego. If you would have grown up in the Middle East, you very very good chance you might hit your wife as well and not think but, twice about but it. But my my feeling is a lot of the aggression in the Middle East and violence that was from what's going on in the families. If they don't do something about that, I don't see where the whole thing settles down at all. I, I couldn't agree more. And then also, I'll add to that that. It's poverty. It's it's about yeah, poverty. poverty. I mean, the, the kids in Chicago are shooting each other because there's no hope and they're broke. And the people in, in the Middle East want to blow themselves up because there's no hope and they're broke. So, you know, I have a brother living in, in Ramallah who who has a degree in college, unlike me, and 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 can't get a job. He has a, d- a degree in engineering, and he can't get a job. And he's got six kids, and he can't feed them. Jeez. So if he if he you know, and I don't want to go into what else goes on over there because I don't want to get into a big political thing about Israeli soldiers and 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 this and that and right and wrong. But you know, when you've got no hope, hatred is easy. If you're if you're rich, if you're wealthy, you don't want to blow yourself up. You don't want to sh- <laughs> you don't want to shoot your neighbor. Yeah. I want to. I want to. Well, wanna... then why? So then let's get into the American psyche. We are going to get into it. The American psyche is we're very comfortable. I I see the Trump backers. They're they're living a, a working class American lifestyle. What's so wrong with that? You got a relatively new car. You got a nice place two, to two live. Things. You have cable TV. Two, two you have money. You can go eat McDonald's anytime you. you want. Why are you so fucking angry like people in the West Bank? Well, Why is it equal anger here in America? Well, there's whatever is going on in your family. I mean, the person that's angry, right? That that's part of it. Then uh, the happiness research literature shows that. Your people are happy until they have around somebody that has more, or they see somebody having more, then they become angry and unhappy. <laughs> so there's too well, much. Well, Khalil should be angry and unhappy yeah. all the time because well, all his friends are billionaires. All right. Well, yeah, he... but they're flying me around the world on their private jet, so I'm thrilled. He's going to Italy tomorrow. Awesome. I'm pissed. So, <laughs> Look at how happy he is. Why not? <laughs> not just Italy, but Monaco. So you know what I told He told me the other day. Now, Bob he told and me, I are pissed. Yeah, now we're pissed. Well, no, I, he, when he told me two days ago, he goes, uh, then I'm, we're going to Italy, then we're going to meet Anthony and so-and-so in Greece or somewhere. And I was like, uh, and I literally was. I go, I'm driving to Temecula right now. <laughs> <laughs> he said... He goes, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to go to Monaco after that. And he goes, I'm driving to Temecula to do a group. And probably for 50 bucks. So, so that's one thing. So it's it's the family of origin stuff. It's the comparison issue. and uh, Religion. Throw some religion Maybe some of that in there. Wait, there's a third thing I was thinking about. Yeah, can't think the, of it. The fear. So... But we do need to figure out a way to get all together, by so the way. You asked that earlier, and I, I am obsessed about that. we got to get it together. That. And I keep thinking some sort of common ground, some sort of, you know, some... Some sort I don't, of are there any here's one thing where I find common ground are there anybody happy about what Washington provides us for our taxes is there anybody that let, goes let me even ask gosh you, I think they're doing an excellent job let me, there let me in even, Washington let me even ask them something you ask you something different I've been asking lately it's like do they do anything for you <laughs> look around your your home or apartment whatever you have trash it's your city you have police your city you have firemen it's your city you have water power it's your city my city does so much for me. I want to. I want to give love them Los Angeles. I want to give Claremont, but I want to give them. They need my taxes, but the federal government takes sixty percent of everything I earn, and they give me nothing, zero, and they, they never. Defend you. It's all they've ever given me. I and I don't <laughs> I know if I, how much of that I need. I keep wondering. Who gets when, two? And they're not I, doing that good I, of a job. I will say this: I want to. I want to give the federal government a little, a little bit of a shout out because when I was homeless and I was destitute. The federal government provided me with drug money. They with drug money? 
<laughs> yeah. They gave me two hundred and eighty dollars. Yes. Yeah, and food stamps they, that he sold for drugs. Yeah. Well, you didn't sell the the. You would get the food stamp voucher. They give you the uh, bus tokens, and then you go down, and then you can trade your actual food stamps for sixty cents on the dollar, and then. There was the crap. rather Bob than your antisocial flair, <laughs> laughing at me for being outraged at this. Why don't you direct your outrage towards the federal uh, government that does this? BS? But I've done that too. I just uh, no, but I, I, that, I mean that I, hustle's I, been going I, on for four generations. I Bob, I I pay I pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes a year, and I know that a large portion of it is going towards people that are going to abuse drugs and and alcohol and and have kids upon kids are we going to do gonna... something about that everybody so there you go that's mm-hmm. common ground if khalil's saying and the most liberal person i know then it's what's there. the answer well i i don't i don't know what the answer is but i'm telling you right now unlike everybody else out there that has an opinion about it i was on welfare and i abused the system and i can tell you with with a hundred percent accuracy that I don't, I'm not even going to say some other people were doing the same as me. From what I could see, every single person, most was doing people it. were down there. They all had cell phones. They all had apartments. They all had flat screen TVs. They all had video game consoles. Many of them were buying people's social security numbers and milking the system for four or five checks a month. I mean, there was hustle upon hustle. MacArthur upon Park. Hustle. MacArthur Park. This Mac- is what Corolla sure. always says: is that yeah. you know it, it ruins people. So and and not, and not only does it ruin people, if you teach a man, you know about learned helplessness. Yes. Yeah, if you teach a man not to work, it's easy. It's but it's the greatest sin yeah. you can commit. Yep. Because look what happened when I finally, on my own volition, became incapable of even getting on a bus and going there and getting you know getting the food stamps. You ended when up I, with me and PRC. Yeah, when I finally bottomed out at a hundred at one hundred and nine pounds with scabs all over my face. And and That's called and called Penny, uh, and Penny connected me. Do you remember Penny? Yeah. Penny connected me with Bob Forrest, and they sent me to PRC. PRC. No, well, they sent me to Buddy Arnold's place. Map. Map. Yeah, they yeah, sent I me to. There. They sent me to failed musicians assistance program, <laughs> and Bob lobbied for me. Buddy hated me, and somehow Bob convinced Buddy, even though I was an unpublished musician, to put me into PRC. And when I when when I the third or fourth day, Bob came up to me and he said, "You can never get high again." And the, and, and I said, "What? What do you mean? Why me?" And he said, "Because you're different." And I said, "Well, how am I? How am I different?" And he goes, "Look at your arms. You're gonna die. Look at your face. You can never get high again." And he left. And I went to my room and I cried. And he was off for the whole weekend. And I cried all weekend. And I wrestled with it. I was detoxing. I couldn't sleep. And and he shows up Monday morning, and I had made peace with it. I had finally made peace with. He forgot he said it. <laughs> no, he didn't forget he said it. He walked in, and I said, "Hey, Bob." And he goes, "Hey," and I said, "What's wrong?" He goes, "I'm not so sure about all this recovery shit." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I got into a fight with my girlfriend, and she left me sitting on a rock on the side of Highway 15 or something like that." Bob was thinking know. about getting high. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know about all this. But but then anyway, know, thank God I sobered up, and thank God I learned. But to what chop I recognize, let's. But what I recognize is because Khalil and I were very much alike, and someone that we all know who's passed away now was in treatment with him, and I knew you could latch on to him. You guys can go on a run, and you're going to think you're equal buddies. No, you're fucking not. 
Yeah. And that's all I was trying to do well, in, a, in a therapeutic intervention. And he's gone. Yeah, but he had dough and a car and a studio and a place to hang out. And, all all right. that, and right? Jennifer. And, and <laughs> Jennifer. All right. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back right. after this. All right, everybody. A, a reminder that uh, this life is brought to you by Bergamot Pro Plus. If you have a metabolic syndrome, that's, of course, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Maybe some insulin resistance, higher blood sugar. Uh, you put your fat around the mid midsection. That is significantly increases your chance of heart disease. And you can reduce that by considering Bergamet Pro Plus, 100% natural. It's a Bergamet polyphenol. It's with a Bergamet fruit, Bergamot fruit. Uh, strongest, most effective citrus Bergamot product on the market. Bergamet Pro Plus. Previously only available through your physician. Pro Plus now has all the cardiovascular metabolic benefits of the Bergamet Mega O, but in a stronger dose. So if you are statin intolerant, even if you're on a statin and want to further lower your cholesterol, improve your health, a Pro Plus may be just right for you. Please do discuss with your doctor. Only Bergamot pro- or only Bergamet products are approved by the prestigious Academia del Bergamotto in Italy which has pushed it through numerous clinical trials and multiple cardiologists I've seen uh, interviewed on this topic. Uh, Really, it looks impressive, the data they're collecting there. And they've spent millions of dollars on research, and uh, they are improving the Bergamite products and uh, amongst the best in the world there. With heart disease being the number one killer, both men and women in the U.S., what are you waiting for? Invest wisely in your lifelong health with Bergamite Pro Plus. Go to Bergamet, B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T dot com to order Bergamet Pro Plus. Bergamet Pro Plus today. And remember, Bergamet for life. And we're here with my friend Khalil. And I I know the book pretty well because I lived it. But uh, he has a new book called I Forgot to Die. You can buy it on Amazon, right? Go to Dr. Drew and you can get it somehow, right? You have a link? You'll, you'll have yeah. a link? Yeah, okay, we'll great. there. So, so how long are you sober 15 no 13 and a half 13 and a half so he was one of the people that i was all in 100 percent with uh, you know what i mean i did it with anthony i did it with john i did it with you, him. Fought, you pushed him 100 percent. why i don't know i did something about him i liked it i was so he broken and desperate i reminded him of himself myself he really did he was the first one so he looks like reminds me of chuck negron at that point well, chuck? Did you yeah chuck yeah that, that that kind of photo yeah. but but so I just went above and beyond. I thought outside the box. And I remember I told him I was taking him to Sober Living. And I took him to Halal Slovak's grave. <laughs> you took him where? <laughs> took me to a graveyard. Okay. Because I, I refused to go to, to Sober Living. I said, Living. this is where you're And it worked. It worked. It, it worked. scared the shit out of me. Because he said, this guy has everything you ever wanted. He had the girls. He had the fame. He had the career. He had the money. And he's dead. Who is it? Hillel from the Chili Peppers. Can you swear Yeah, you can swear. Oh, oh, yeah. He said he's dead. He's fucking dead. (laughs) And if you don't go to Sober Living, you're going to fucking die. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go to that Genesis Genesis house. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, no. He wanted to go to the fancy one. He's going to living and recovery. I right. said, no, that, I, I said, that's where all the cool people are. He goes, yeah. He goes, well, you're not going where the cool people are. You're going to Thelma's place. Yeah, Thelma's right, right in the valley, way out, Northridge, way out. It was 117 degrees. <laughs> and it was, and, it, and, and again. No. I, you got sober one treatment? Yeah. That's remarkable. Well, yeah. well uh, I, I got 100% in. Huh? He was in. That day when I you came back, tell. he was in, and I was in because. No, but wait a second, where was I going to go? Back to Skid Row? I, I'm just saying you, you were going to go to Scott's studio and get high for two days on, until he got rid of you. On, <laughs> on average, you, it takes four. That's treatments. where you were going. 
to we, get a year we, of sobriety. Four when, dreams, get a year of sobriety. On about average. 15 years ago, my girlfriend's father tried to put the two of us into treatment together down in Laguna, and I, and I jumped out of the second story window. Okay, there's one treatment. And then, okay. and, and then so went. So we're living by the sea? Uh, no, uh, Spencer Recovery Center. Oh, yeah. and, I, and I met a guy that was in there, this sickly greenish looking guy who had a bunch of money in a car and credit cards. Off you went. And went and and shot just you know hundreds if not thousands of dollars worth of speedballs all night. Came back the next day. He goes to the fancy Bellagio house across the street. I go back into the doghouse, which is across the street from the fancy place. And I walk in, and after they chastise me, the nurse grabs me and she shakes me and she, she says, "You didn't share needles with him, did you?" Obviously, I shared needles with him. We were shooting speedballs. I mean, we ran out of needles. The needles broke. Whatever. And she said, "Did you use? Did you share needles with him?" And I, I, I said, "No. Why? I was lying through my teeth. Yeah, of course. I, I was nervous." And she and, couldn't tell you. And and she no, she actually did tell me and she said because he has HIV and, the law. and hep C. And I said, How do you know? And she said, Because I'm the nurse. <laughs> and 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 yeah, I mean, luckily by the grace of God, I, I tested clean for everything and still test clean for everything. Sheesh. But I mean I that How's was that possible? I d I don't know. Oof. I don't know. Crazy. Was he under treatment for HIV? He he was taking the cocktail. Okay, because sometimes their, their viral loads are so low from the cocktail they're not contagious anymore. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, maybe that's the same with my yeah. thing up in Minneapolis. Yeah. Well, the people the people at Tarzana Treatment Center, which is where I got tested when I finally realized I didn't have anything, they said some people will have sex one time and and get HIV AIDS, and some people will share needles for ten years and and not get it. That's not true. Uh, but but there are differing resistances to the virus, and these days when people take the medicines, the medicines are so effective that they become non-contagious. Wow. That's how that's how Charlie Sheen's doctor could inject himself with Charlie Sheen's blood and not worry about it because he knew Charlie, Charlie was on on therapy. Why did he do that? Because he was trying to show it was he's nuts. That's why. He was trying to show I him. I'm not, I'm not privy to the Charlie Sheen stuff. I haven't been paying close enough attention. I'm so focused on Trump, I can't think about anybody he, he else. Went to, he went to Mexico <laughs> to get the cure, and the, some doctor you know, was so assured him that he had this vaccine cure. I'm going to take your blood and push it in my... Of course, he, he couldn't do wow. that because, yeah. you know... It's filled with antivirals. Yeah. So Khalil gets sober and starts treatment center and he's the reason why I went out to Malibu he said Bob come out here he's been trying so many people have tried to help me get a financial footing Drew I, I need to make amends to all of them I have a money aversion is what he calls it you do you, 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 you inherently believe that money is evil and, and first and foremost Drew I, has it too you should I, listen no, to I, it I feel, I feel as though being paid for service is is somehow adulterating. Feels yeah. weird, but yeah. but I wanted Bob in Malibu because I knew that he was the real deal, and and he helped save my life. Yeah. I mean, and 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 I also wanted Bob to make some money. I saw a bunch of charlatans out there making all kinds of money, and I figured, well, if these guys are getting paid to not help people, why don't we get the guy that saved my life, yeah. literally saved my life through empathy and compassion and love. And give some of those and people creativity. Out there. You gotta, you gotta be a little creative. Yes, yes I agree. And that's what I was. That we never you. brought that up, but you're absolutely right on that. Creativity. Take yeah. him because because I was in a bad mood, and I'd been fighting with him forever about sober living. And finally, we're in the car and we're going, and he's like whining and complaining. <laughs> I'm just like, and we just happened to be near Hillel's grave. <laughs> you know, Bob, Bob has. I'll tell you, in addition to aversion to money, yeah. 
he has an aversion to codependency. So, so if you trigger a codependent feeling, he becomes resentful and outraged and goes the other way. Well, he also he also is very creative in taking the worst of the worst and putting us all together in a house, thinking yeah. that maybe sometimes a lot of you, those guys got sober. A lot of those guys got sober and stayed sober. Frankie, Frank Violence, and I are still phenomenal friends. I know. And he, who knew that guy? So there was another guy too in his group that got sober in that sober living group. Yeah. The guy is an archaeologist now. Successful. He's a fucking archaeologist. Owns a home. He was a homeless drug addict in <laughs> Map. But you, you guys know the three of us. I mean, that's why we do work with people in recovery because you see these miraculous recoveries yeah. for people you would not give a rat's ass chance in hell of getting well. If you you're, now, known, now you're hope, now you're hopeful for everybody. If you would, you know that's I mean? true. You, 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 and, and you want to. You want to see it again? You want to have more If we flourish. would have gone yeah. around the room and said, you know what? You're going to be an entrepreneur, health food guru. You're going to be an archaeologist. <laughs> what would you guys have thought? I, I wouldn't have believed it for a second. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And my, and my own story, which is it's actually in the book uh, that I wrote. I hope I changed her name, and I actually don't think I did. But uh, there's a girl that I help named Sarah who who was like this but worse because she had fight in her. I didn't have any fight in me. Yeah. But she had lost her kids and and she had lost everything and her, you know, parents disowned her and she was living on the streets and all kinds of legal problems and and they called me to to bail her out. I I grabbed her off the streets. I stuck her in promises. The first night there she assaulted one of the techs. Nice. I mean that that's how she was. She was so full of piss and vinegar and was never ever ever going to get better. And she looked at people that were sober and considered them fucking losers. Right. She said they, I've seen they, that they, they are fucking losers. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck mm-hmm. Malibu and all your Bentleys and blah blah blah. She got sober? She is not only sober uh and an amazing mother. Uh, one of my best friends, her. How'd, her, she, how'd they break through that? Because that, that's a kind of a denial. She, trouble breaking through. She lived with me for sixteen months at Riviera. At Riviera, she lived His with treatment me. Center. But how'd you get her willing to even show up? Um, she was gonna go. She was gonna get locked up if she didn't. Oh, you go. So okay. she had the law. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So she had the law, <laughs> and, <laughs> and no, and she also would be, you know, would never have access to what, what little, yeah, her kids, yeah. and there was also maybe okay. some money involved. I don't know, but but she followed me. She shadowed me. She began to eat like I ate. I began to watch her come to life, and and just I didn't want to tell the whole story, but. She now in her hometown started the first organic market. Oh, wow, cool. This is a girl that wouldn't have, wouldn't have eaten an apple 15 huh. years ago. She thought you were stupid if you ate vegetables or fruits. <laughs> and um what did she, she think was fun? Heroin cocaine? Speed. She loved speed. <laughs> she loved cigarettes and she loved boys. Oh, and okay. and now she doesn't smoke and she doesn't do speed. Uh, but she <laughs> no she's not actually she's let, actually let, let me read some emails I got I got a sex yeah. question it's, I'm addicted to this is from uh, I don't want to read his name addicted to cyber sex for many years I've exchanged photos and videos with women masturbating The this has caused my almost marital breakdown will a specialist help me a psychiatrist actually psychiatrists may not be equipped to deal with this uh, you guys see much sex addiction out there oh yeah yeah uh, particularly the, the internet, oh, yeah. the porn addiction, right? Well, with younger people, it's you know I haven't seen it with the, with it sounds like a mature person, right? Yeah, maturer. Needs well, to go. There's, there's a great website I know called Center for Healthy Sex, centerforhealthysex.com, run by a woman named Alexandra Katahak, who's an excellent therapist. Candy knew her. Candy signed off on her too. 
And uh, there are people that really specialize in this. The, the but what sash, about Carnes and real treatment for it? Absolutely. The Carnes the, is represented on that website, also at Society for the Advancement of Sexual Health, the sash.net website. You can go there, and uh, again, they have referrals. There's a referral-based system there. And these people really know how to deal with this stuff. The treatment is not easy. It ain't easy. But doesn't Simone deal with that? Simone like, deals a little bit. Some. Neil, Neil Strauss, that wrote that book, The, the Truth, actually went to treatment yep. for sex addiction. At Carnes in Mississippi, w- was, did he go? I don't know, but I know that he was very resistant and really didn't like it at the time and now looks back on it and thinks that it was amazing. And I, I have not read his book, which I, I really should because... It's he, supposed to be a good book. Yeah. And, and I listen to his podcast, too. I bet, I bet he... I think uh, I've been on called his the, podcast. It's called The Truth. Is it at like a dinner? Yeah, I was at his podcast. Called The Truth? I did it. All right. But but here's the deal. Um, you got to go to 12-step like any other addiction. And people really resist going to SLA meetings. And uh, now I've noticed that pretty much anywhere I've seen an NA meeting, they also have SLA meetings right in the same You want to know an even grayer, weirder evolution of it? Uh, when my friend went to sex treatment with Carnes and then to long-term yeah. in Philadelphia. And, and by the way, back, if you, let's, we'll put Patrick Carnes' book yeah, up on my website. The guy. He's got the greatest so, books. So Out of the Shadows. When my friend, yeah, when my awesome friend, title. Yeah. When my friend did it, um, he came back, was going to SLA, that's where I always reported to you. It's like a dating sex thing. A lot of it was. But not supposed but to be. But what started that, it, that's what than, was going on. You than, can say. Look, dude, any more than NA is a heroin No, band, way damn. more sex in SLA than there was heroin Maybe and, back and alcohol. Maybe back in the day. Anonymous. I don't know. But here's what I'm saying. Are they, they cute all, girls? Most of, it, most of those men that I dealt with are sober members of AA. Yeah. And they started talking more openly about sex as a part of the alholic condition. Yeah, it's in the first in step. AA. It's in the first step. Well, it's uh, in the fourth work, step. It's workbooks. in the fourth step. In the workbooks, yeah. Yeah. It's so, in the first step, too. It's it's in it's in certain workbooks anyway. I've no, seen but it. the point is you look at your, your you do sex, sexual inventory. You do yeah. sexual inventory yeah. in the fourth step in AA. So it's become more of a, of a topic of discussion in AA look, to does, be held accountable. Bob. In that done, way. done well, yes. A, a, a perfectly pristine 12 step process should include that. How many guys are. You know, in, 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 plus, I, I hear it talked about a lot in, plus, men's, in men's meetings. Hang on. Plus, there are slippery behaviors, too, that you have to sort of learn how to deal with. You have to be in a culture that teaches you how to deal with this stuff. It, it's, it has specialized needs. It really does. I, I, I mean, for me, and, I, and I'm definitely not an expert in, in this area, but like, I, just don't, I just don't look at porn. I find myself no. <laughs> yeah, if I work. if I do if I look at porn, I find myself drawn in, and then I yeah. find it becomes habitual, yeah, and, me I, too. I, and I start spending more and more time. So I have a rule that I just don't look at porn, and 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 I I think that with a lot of these situations, if you give it any type of energy whatsoever, then it's it gonna, takes on it's life gonna, of its, it's own. And yeah. I've I've done that with porn. I've done that with gambling, and I just don't. I'm going to Vegas tomorrow. I just don't gamble. Yeah, I that's just smart. don't. I know that you do. I gamble. I gamble a lot. I gamble Uh-oh. a lot, and Uh-oh. I and I and I love it. I gamble. Uh oh. I, <laughs> I look. I love it. It's not a normal relationship with gambling. I I I work seven days a week and about. Oh, the rationalization. I deserve no. a little pot at night. I deserve a no, pot here. No, no, no. I deserve no, it. I work but, hard for my money. But there is a habituation of gambling. Like, He's in a gambling world when his best friend is one of the most successful poker players who, in the world. It? 
it doesn't matter. But well, I, know, <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of those guys. My, my friend flies a private jet a couple times a month to Vegas, gets put up in the Nobu penthouse. That's great. Takes me with him. Yeah. I will throw around five grand, ten grand, All six right. or seven times mm-hmm. a year. Okay. I get my yayas out. And but you can't play in his room, though. you got to play I, in the dumb people's room. I, right? I'll, I stand next to him as a good luck charm. <laughs> Does he have a nickname? Does he wear sunglasses? No. A hoodie? No, he okay. wore, he wears a sideways ball cap, okay. and he's an awesome guy. Right. And I want to keep getting invited on the private jet, so I'm going to leave his name it. out. I get it, I get it. Uh, but but that doesn't sound like you love it because something you love, you're not going to be able to self limit so much. You like it. A I think lot. I think it's, it's cool. Much, yeah, yeah. It, I it's think really, it's much like living vicariously. It's neat to go watch Anthony play shows because he's your friend. Yes. and whatever. It's like that with the gambling. Just be careful. For you. That's all. Yeah, be yeah. Careful. No, because we were at we were in Vegas outside House of Blues. Remember playing slots. blackjack, uh, blackjack, yeah, blackjack. Right? Yeah. You gamble now? Could, no, I, well, I pl- uh, this is like seven. I won a bunch ago. of money in front of him, and I got oh, up and I walked away, he's and he's like, in. "What are you doing?" <laughs> I'm like, "Bob, I won, so I'm leaving." And he's like, "No, you should keep going." I'm like, "You lost all your money, and you're advising me to keep playing." That's that's the story Bob, I wanted to Bob tell. Bob did have a gambling problem. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And I just stopped. I just don't do it. And I don't that's have good. any compulsion I, I, I or must desire say, though, to do it. I'll tell you it. what, though. I, 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 if I were objectively looking at my own, um, where I focus my energy, I don't put enough focus on gambling for people. I, I, I do. I just much, We're all kind of dismissing it a little bit. But for some people, it is really a problem. And so I just want to state it. You know, even no, though we're, my we're friend Kenny, even though we're blushing past it a little yeah. bit, I'm letting everyone off the hook. It whatever. Ruined my friend's it's, life. Yeah, it can be really bad. And we, so, we don't, I don't give enough. But attention. I just think what I was trying to say is by dealing with it in the community where you feel safest, which is the AA, the twelve step AA, yep. right? I can talk about sex there. I can talk about porn there. I can talk about gambling there. I can talk about nicotine there. Mm-hmm. That that when you go to these separate programs, of which I've been to Nicotine Anonymous and Gamblers Anonymous, yeah. I just don't feel like I can talk about it there. It's all that's the. Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I, I do, but there's there's a there's a meeting, and I'm 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 hesitant to talk about. It. I don't want to again yeah. name any names. Yes. There's a meeting in Venice that is sort of famous for people that, that go there and discuss their 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 sex addictions, and I was in, invited along a, there. A, an AA meeting. Uh, it's kind of an AA meeting, but I think it's an SLA meeting. Um, but anyway, but they're all sober guys. They're all, most of them are sober, and I saw incredible value in what they were doing yeah, there. Yeah. And also, this is early on in my recovery. There were some behaviors of my own, chasing around newcomers and all that stuff that I felt comfortable sharing in there. That's because, what I'm talking because, about. Because wherever just, it is, you need to need to feel safe enough to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. You you if you take your darkness and you bring it to the light. It's no longer darkness. Yeah. So when I said, you know, yeah, I've been having sex with, you know, newcomers and chasing them around and everyone started laughing much in the same way that when I first went into AA and I was like, oh, you know, I took crack and lemon juice and I shot it in my neck and then everyone started laughing and I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with these people? But, but also I felt, I felt a great, I felt a great relief because the then I didn't feel, I didn't feel ashamed yeah. anymore. No, I love and the, humor. And That's the more, the, the more I shared, the more I brought it out into the light, the more I talked about it. You know, a friend of mine who lives in Malibu, we, we were talking about porn three, four years ago and he was spending three, four or five hours a day that's not good on on porn and i just said done no more do not look at it at all and it didn't it wasn't the you know panacea it didn't work overnight but over the course of a year there were there were relapses into it and then more discussion about it and relapse and now it's not an issue that was him or you 
No, him. Him. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, there's there are way there are ways to help people get there, and some people need very specialized. They need circle plans. They need you know ways to clean up their equipment you know their their electronic equipment yeah they need support in certain areas they need to be able to talk about stuff that maybe they wouldn't be comfortable talking about with other other people because right. it can go very weird it can go very dark and, sure and uh, outside of those rooms in a regular a meeting they might not feel comfortable talking about that just as the way you're saying and uh, and there is a lot sex, of room for sex talk- and drugs are tied together I understand that's that. why they say well, sex for, and drugs for, and rock for, and roll for my my opinion is this whether it's debt whether it's gambling yeah. whether it's sex addiction yeah. There are a, a ton of people out there that are suffering. Oh, yeah. And what they need to know is that they can change. They need to know that they can change. And if there's anything I'm going to do on this planet before I die, other than try to get a bunch of likes on Instagram or Facebook <laughs> or fly around on my friends' jets or whatever, if there's one thing I want to do for people out there that are suffering is let them know 1,000% that they can change. Yeah. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I put a picture of myself, the anti-selfie, at 109 pounds with scabs all over my face. I have these in each of my stores, yeah. which people were horrified. They were like, don't put that at the front counter. And I said, <laughs> right no, by the I'm, I'm going to put it at the front counter because I want anyone that comes in here that is suffering, whether it's weight, you know, eating, gambling, whatever it is, I want them to pick this up and know that you go from that to that yeah. yeah there you go no that, that's that's why we do the work right that's why that's why we like this there and, we uh, go uh is are we wrapping things up here i think so okay excellent appreciate you coming out for this thank you really do and uh, enjoy italy thank you <laughs> your eats and monaco and think about uh the temecula while you're out there. Going to <laughs> he's gonna be sweating windows down 100 <laughs> degrees and i'm gonna be you know laying out uh, with topless French women in the south of France. <laughs> you deserve it. Thank you. I love you, Khalil. I love you, buddy. Bye-bye. I All love right, you, Drew. Thank you. Thank you, guys. A reminder, Playroom Pods, uh, courtesy of Dr.com. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, all the podcasts uh, are listed as soon as they go up on the website. Plus, we now have a new newsletter up to give you insight into the topics of the new shows. Always read. We always try to read your emails, so sign up at contact slash doctor.com. Tell us what is on your mind. Good or bad, we get the emails. We certainly try to bring what we can onto the show. And we also have... The new podcast with Dr. Bruce Heishover, which is more medically focused, is called Weekly Infusion. Please subscribe on iTunes and tweet us your thoughts and suggestions at This Life Podcast and at Weekly Infusion. Uh, Tell a friend. Give us five stars on iTunes or Podbean or Podbay, and also please do subscribe. Help, help, help. That's right. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Living on a fast train Don't feel like I'm moving and though I try and truth, it all just fails I'm pushing through the ocean, but I can't swim I'm drowning I love everything about you